Welcome back to the Talking Thomas podcast, your podcast for all things Thomas and Friends, Shining Time Station, the Railway Series, etc. I'm Tony. And I'm Orion. And we're back to do another uh, Railway Series book review. We're at book number 11 so far, and that is Percy the Small Engine, which, uh, you know, it's it's become kind of a... Uh, recurring thing where most of the stories that are named most of the books named after a certain character end up not having much to do with that character at all and it's almost in fact the exact opposite with the exception of duct tape's charge not only does not only is every story you know heavily involved percy uh, but each story with that one exception has uh, is named after percy um so it's it's kind of the um the first book that isn't uh that that's focused on a certain character that actually does focus on that character heavily yeah i suppose i mean i I would say with the exception of um the thomas books which of course focused pretty heavily on thomas and then also uh james the red engine um, was that's true was very uh, very focused on on james pr- pretty much exclusively that's so true. um but uh, but yeah this is a uh general thoughts on on the book what what are your general thoughts before we dive you in you know i liked it uh you know it's it's not my favorite book ever but it's nice i i quite enjoy per i mean I, I we've talked before and how percy's a fun character you know he's got a lot of charm uh, i i quite enjoy the book it has um it most of the book was adapted into season two, although with with one exception, I think uh, one of the stories wasn't adapted until season three. But um, you know, they're they're fun stories. You know, I I quite enjoy it. What what are your general thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Percy's not my favorite character um, in the series, but uh, but I do think that uh, Reverend W. Aubrey mm. seemed to have. Uh, an ability to write stories for Percy in, in much the same way he was able to write stories for, for Thomas, something about the tank engines. He was just able to uh, write them really into many different situations and, and never really run out of stories, which, uh, you know, really um, great example is that Percy has uh, pretty significant stories in um, other books as well. Right. Um, right. And even this book here, uh, it has a story that, that's a bit of a bleed over um, in that plunge is the opening story of the following book. And that really feels like it, it should have just gone in <laughs> at, in this book. So yes. um, it, it, and of course uh, we had Percy and the um, uh, Percy and the trousers in Henry, the green engine and uh, Percy runs away in troublesome engines. And then uh, in a later book, we also have the deputation, which is a pretty Percy heavy story. Um, so it's it, quite interesting um, that he just seemed to never really run out of places to put Percy. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, something about the tank engines, I guess, it, it, in that they're able to kind of move around the island easily and they can be a station pilot. They can be working on various projects such as the New Harbor. Uh, it, it works out pretty well. I, I do have to wonder if maybe Percy was a favorite character of the Reverend, because the, the Reverend would never admit to having a favorite character uh, at least publicly but um i have to wonder if percy was one of his favorite characters in fact well it's also quite interesting that percy was the first engine to be uh to be released as a as a working uh or one of the first anyway 
uh, to be released as a working right. model. I mean, the um, you know the the famous the set, Mikano, uh, Percy, yeah. exactly, um, and that's interesting. That even though even by that time the stories had been known as the Thomas books, yep. uh, the Thomas the Tank Engine books. They it, it is interesting that the first one was Percy, not right. Thomas. So uh, kind of odd in that respect. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and it's very telling, I think, that the popularity of Percy, I mean, because you're right, the books were, at the you know, no, always, almost always known as the Thomas the Tank Engine books. Uh, so it is rather telling that the first real merchandise was Percy-centered, and Percy has kind of become the second star of the series, really. I mean, so much so that uh, when the TV series got away from being based on the railway series that most of the stories were involving Percy and a lot of the focus on merchandising was not only focused on Thomas, but Thomas and Percy and to, uh, and to a slightly lesser extent, James, but, um, but yes, so let's dive into this book and we start out with the story, uh, Percy and the signal, which as a story is, is just okay. I actually kind of prefer the, TV adaptation. Uh, I actually really like the adaptation of Percy and the Signal, but um, you know, as a story, it's fine. Uh, maybe a little uh, complicated in some ways, but uh, you know, I I enjoy it. Yeah, it's not it's not my favorite story at all. Um, and uh, I guess something that we should touch on as well um, is that this was C. Reginald Dalby's last yes. book, um, and uh, the tensions between. Uh, between him and the Reverend had kind of come to a head over his illustration style. Um, and I have to say, uh, even though we have defended Dolby quite a bit in our previous uh, discussions of the railway series, um, I, I do think that the criticisms were quite fair for this particular yes. book. There are many instances where, um, and not even just the, the Percy situation where the Reverend said that, you know, he made, Percy looked like a green caterpillar with red stripes, um, too, way too small toy, uh, toy-like. I, I think there are just other instances in this particular book where the illustrations are just kind of off. Um, it, it's not Dolby's best I book. Mean, um, and so it's a, it's a bit see, of a I'm looking at the complete collection edition of the book, and if you look at the third illustration, which is of James in the sheds, James looks very peculiar, just like proportionally peculiar yeah it's just something about this um this last book he just couldn't uh he just didn't didn't crack yeah. it um and it's a it's a shame because um and now of course it, it led to, to good things uh john yeah. t kenny is a fantastic illustrator mm. um and uh and then of course we had a, a vastly different style later on in the reverence books with uh with peter edwards but um uh, but no uh like I said, we've we've defended Dolby in some previous <laughs> discussions, but in, in this particular book, uh, I, I, it's hard to defend yeah, his, really. his work. It, it is uh, a bit of a, a mess, yeah. unfortunately. Um, now, just going back a little bit from from Percy and the Signal, just uh, to the forward right. of the book, it is interesting that this one is uh, it instead of just to one person or just to the readers, mm -hmm. this one is actually to uh, to four different boys: dear Christopher and Giles and Peter and Clive. Yes. Um, so it's um, quite interesting. Do you happen to know, is there a particular backstory not on that? In, um, I only have sort of reading between the lines and not in that book there isn't. Um, I don't know if maybe Island of Sodor, the book, has more information on that, but reading between the lines certainly doesn't. I wish, I wish it did because <laughs> uh, I, I, I can only assume that that the 
I mean, we can we can infer that Christopher is, you know, the Christopher. Um, if so, if we assume that Christopher is Christopher Audrey, then we can assume that the other three boys are either Christopher's friends or just fellow readers, or maybe they're all four fellow readers. And the fact that one of them is called Christopher is completely coincidental. I have no idea. Yes, uh, I would imagine that it's probably. Um, it, it might not be Christopher, just because at this point, um, you know, uh, we are. Um, this is in the mid to late fifties right. uh, when this book was published. So I would imagine. I mean, Christopher would have been a little bit older at that point. So I don't really know if he had been. Yeah, this was fifty six. Right. So I don't really know. Um, he would. He would have been if it. If it would have been addressed, well, to yeah, because <laughs> he would have been like in his teens almost, or maybe he was already in his teens. I don't recall exactly, but um, you know. Um, so yeah, no, it it may or may not be Christopher Audrey. Like I said, I I don't know. <laughs> I wish I wish that information was available because it'd be nice to know. But um... yeah, so well, actually, yeah. So we we can see here, uh, Christopher Audrey was actually born in nineteen forty, right? So. Um, so he would, he would have been 16. At yeah. This point. So probably not. So I, my assumption is not addressed to him. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, although the Reverend did say that a lot of his railway series stories were, you know, run past his children. So I don't know, but, but as, as you said, Christopher would have been 16 at this time. I, I doubt that, um, that w- w- while the stories might have been run past him, I doubt that he had much effect on the book itself. Most likely not. Now, something else interesting in this uh, forward here also is that it's another instance where this is uh, it's becoming the uh, the uh, the general theme and the uh, the phrase that would be used and identified with the series. Um, But it it hadn't been used too much before, um, but is slowly becoming more and more uh, widely used throughout the railway series is uh, the term really useful engine. And that is uh, used at the, in uh, in the last part of the forward. So that's just something interesting um, that is uh, establishing the, that phrase and that style. It's, it certainly is, uh, you know, and that's, as you said, that is a theme that would continue throughout the life of the series and would become a major part of the TV series and really just the um, uh, the Thomas genre as a whole, you know. Um, but very interesting that that crops back up here. Um, but yeah, so Percy and the Signal, like I said, it's it's an OK story. I, I almost prefer the TV series adaptation of it, but uh now, a lot of people would think that the idea of a backing signal is just ludicrous. I mean, and in fact, uh, in the story itself, it's implied that it's something that Gordon and James have made up. But in fact, at least according to Reading Between the Lines, uh, that backing signals were, in fact, a part of real life, uh, re- real railway life, rather. So... Uh, Christopher doesn't really go into a great deal of detail about uh, the story behind the story, but I can only imagine uh, that uh, from what he he infers that, you know, they were a part of railway life and that the Reverend made use of the idea to land Percy in the sort of scrape uh, that a naive child might get themselves into. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that's, um, I, not much else really to say about Percy and the signal. Um, It's, uh, 
kind of a just a standard, you know, uh, middle middle of the canon uh, railway series story. It, nothing it, nothing too spectacular. It's, it's very much in the vein of um, the earliest railway series stories in that it's exactly what the title says. It's Percy and a signal. And that's really what else is there to say about it. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, not much development there. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we, we learned that Percy is naive, which is something that we already kind of knew. So uh, it's not a bad story. Then we're on. It's not a bad story. It's just like you said, it's very middle of the road. But uh, but we move on to a better story and an introduction to a character that has become a huge part uh, of many fans um, hearts and that would be of course the story duck takes charge where we're introduced to montague aka duck so yeah not um, not my favorite story right. um and i think we even touched on this in the tv and when we discussed this episode in our uh commentary uh for the tv series mm-hmm. uh, it, it's episode the story in the episode had never really done much for me. I think um, it's a fine introduction to Duck, I right. suppose, but it's not um, uh, definitely not my favorite Duck story, of course. And uh, it's just never really done much for me. Now, having said that, I know that we criticized uh, Dolby's illustrations throughout the book, and I and I like I said, it's definitely not his strongest mm-hmm. book whatsoever. However, um, there are a few really nice illustrations in this book, um, particularly or in the story. Particularly, I like the second illustration with Percy puffing by at the mm. harbor. Mm. Just a nice shot of the harbor. Yes. Um, and uh, and then, of course, um, I think one of Dalby's best illustrations, period, is uh, of the inside of um, of Tidmouth. Right. And uh, with the light shining down uh, through the glass um, into the uh, station area. And you just see how cavernous that station is mm. it's, it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful picture and actually it reminds me of um some of our listeners may have may have played this game but um uh, when i was young i used to have the cd rom thomas and the great festival adventure and there was a portion of that where you would puff into the station and you would clean either i, th- I think either thomas percy james gordon what one of those uh, or oh, all of those depending on who you were right. playing but they basically replicated this picture. So you went into Timmy Station, and it was at that angle with light shining down on it, as far as I mm. recall. Um, and it, it was it, very it, interesting, and uh, and not something that we really ever capture, really ever in the TV series. So mm. um, a, b- a bit of a shame, really, that they never could capture that in the TV series. That sounds fascinating. I never actually, I never had any of the CD-ROM games. I they looked like they were fun if you were the right age, but I never had any of those. Um, that's really cool that they recreated that for one of the games, though, and that is a beautiful illustration. I I think. Um, now, of course, Duck. Uh, like you said, this isn't one of my favorite stories for him either. It's a fine introduction to him, though, and uh, the situation that Duck and Percy get themselves into would come back to bite Duck later, uh, a few books down the road. Now, of course, I'm sure that most people listening will know the reason behind Duck's nickname. I mean, the in-universe reason is that he allegedly waddles. Of course, the real Duck, uh, the Reverend W. Audrey's model Duck, did waddle. It had some sort of uh, issue where it would sort of waddle back and forth. So, uh, interesting little uh, tidbit there, I think. 
and also what's interesting is that duck um of all of the engines uh in terms of his prototype it was probably one of the most visible and well-known uh locomotive types in in britain right. uh for a long 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 time and, and even uh, after the withdrawal of most steam yeah um on British rail. So it, it's quite interesting that, that he has, and so many of them are still in preservation, which is great. Mm. Um, and uh, it, it's just interesting that of all of the, of all the engines, uh, he was probably the most, in terms of the most recognizable design anyway. I mean, apart from perhaps um, uh, the, the top, the Scarlowe right. engines, because those were so specific. Right. <clears throat> and it, it, that is, you know, it is nice that there are so many pannier tanks out there. Um, you know, I mean, they are most known as the as uh, the fifty seven hundred class are most known as the pannier tanks. And so, uh, you know, as you said, they were one of the most recognizable locomotives out there. Um, it, it's funny because the Great Western Railway. Uh, and I don't want to get into a huge debate about the merits of the Great Western Railway, whether it's good or not. The Great Western Railway has this habit of basically taking one design and either making it bigger or smaller and calling it a different class. Whereas the panniers, I know that they used the the pannier design for uh, both the large prairie, the large panniers and the small panniers, but those were the only two with that design, unlike most Great Western engines where they're either the exact same or very similar design that's either made slightly bigger or slightly smaller and called a different class. And so I think it's interesting that one of the most unique Great Western classes of locomotives becomes immortalized as Duck, fictionally, but then goes on as well to be one of the most recognizable steam locomotives on British railways in general. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, now, something else, too, it, with this book is that there is a slight story arc yes. um, in that we go from the um, you know the beginning. Percy is just uh, cheeky, um, you know, puffing about the yard. Um, he's helping out as a station pilot, um, basically just doing odd jobs. And then uh, and then it is, you know, he is told that he will be able to help build a new harbor. Uh-huh. Um, now, of course, this is Natford Harbor. Um, and I, uh, there are people with much more, uh, a much better developed uh, sense of railway series lore mm. and uh, Sodor geography and history, um, much more so than, than myself, who would be able to delve into this. But this is, it, it, it is uh, interesting in terms of the, the development of, of the railway and the development of Thomas's branch line that we're seeing this happen within a book, because not, this is really the first time that that's happened. Um, in terms of the development of something new for the railway. Uh, now, of course, in a TV series, that happened almost every episode. It, <laughs> after a certain point, um, it was always a new station, a new destination, yes. um, a new bridge, whichever. But, but quite interesting here that there's this kind of loose arc uh, involving the building of the new harbor. And so that, that gave some new stories um, in terms of... Uh, it, of course, you know, we can uh, move into the next yes. story here, Percy and Harold. It's that there's an airfield close mm. by. Um, and so that's why, because that is why Percy is on Thomas's branch line. It just gave a reason for then Percy to interact with Thomas and Toby and the characters that we had already been introduced to. And therefore also give a reason for Percy to be on the branch line for um, 
books a little bit later uh, when he is uh, you know, meets with uh, Daisy and uh, in, in Branch. Right. And so it works out quite nicely. And they make a great trio. Uh, you know, Toby, Toby Thomas, Percy. They so. do. But yes, uh, you know, speaking of Percy and Harold, we move on from, you know, two stories that are just kind of okay to a story that I quite enjoy. Uh, you know, I, as we said, when we were doing the TV series, I quite enjoy the race stories and i think percy and harold's a fun story you know it's uh again not one of my favorites necessarily but it's it's an exciting story at least you know yeah and the reference seemed to really enjoy doing a um you know using introducing a new non-rail character mm. with an established engine character so uh in terms of uh Birdie with Thomas, mm-hmm. Terrence with Thomas, Trevor with Edward, um, a couple books back, and then Harold now with Percy. So, and they each have their own special relationship. Yes. So Thomas has a special relationship with Birdie, um, and that is uh, not featured really anymore in the uh, in the railway series until we get to uh, Christopher's right. books. But um, uh, but uh, Percy and Harold um have their own little special relationship and again exploited much further in the tv mm-hmm. series and uh and then of course um edward and trevor which again is exploited much more in the tv series and annual stories etc yes. so it's it's uh it that's an interesting relationship uh, that each one kind of has their own their own character and their own interaction as opposed to just introducing uh plethora of new characters and new non-rail characters i right. should say and having them interact with any of the engines it, it's nice it kind of establishes the world i think a bit more firmly that these characters interact with with these ones because that's that's how life is you interact with with friends and, right um you know it, it, I, I like it's one of the, my favorite things that the reverend established early on with the thomas and birdie and thomas and terrence uh dynamic. they are interesting it, it is interesting having the roadway Beatles says, I don't want to say foils, but, you know, as sort of like extensions of those characters and, you know, different pairings with those characters, because Percy and Harold as a story, it's such a great story that you can't help but think of Harold the helicopter as being, you know, one of Percy's close friends after after the events of this story, because much like Thomas and Bertie, they start out um, being antagonistic towards each other. And then by the end of the story, there's something of... Um, well, not by the end of this story, but by the end of the net story, there's something you know, of sort of a. Um, at the end of this story, there's kind of a grudging respect there, but at the end of the pre- of the net story, it does develop into a proper respect for each other. You know, sort of like how uh, Thomas and Bertie were after uh, after their race, and the same thing with Thomas and Terrence uh, after Terrence saved him from the snow. So, yes. Um, but yes, the, the story in general, it's fun. It's a nice little look at another part of Thomas's branch line, uh, a part that we have yet to have explored because, you know, the harbor, the idea of Tidmouth Harbor was introduced in this book. And so it's it's a nice, we get a nice little look at uh, this area of Tidmouth. And so, you know, we'll, um, or the area of this, this area of Thomas's branch Napford. line. That's what I mean. I mean, Napford, you're right, Napford Harbor. That's right, Napford Harbor. I was doing the TV series there for a minute. Sorry. Napford <laughs> Harbor. And so, you know, it's, but, but what I'm getting at is it's nice to see another part of Thomas's branch line. And, uh, you know, so, because as you said, with the loose thread of the Harbor, 
being constructed it you know we're, we're introduced the idea of this harbor in the previous story and then in this story we get a chance to look around the general area that it's in so i thought that was kind of nice yeah absolutely i and i it uh something interesting too is that this does still have some of the the early railway series uh style and technique of using the uh you know the trucks in terms of uh having the repeat sounds. right so uh percy at one point says hurry 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 he panted to the trucks and then it says we don't want to we don't want to uh so it, it's a, it's very similar to the very early railway series stories and it, he's he's getting away from that more at this point but he still uh falls back into it i think it's, as as a bit of filler I, <laughs> every once in a while but i i, I I love this story, but I often think of it as sort of being almost a redo of Thomas and Bertie because, you know, we had, you know, Thomas and Bertie was one of the most popular stories ever. And so, you know, to introduce Harold, it's, it's interesting that the Reverend really just sort of reused Thomas and Bertie, but with a different character, with a different method of traveling, you know, I mean, instead of being a race between railway and road. It's a race between railway and air. So uh, I, I find it very interesting that of the four roadway characters that we've been introduced that will be, that we'll continue to see throughout the run of the series. Two of them have been introduced in basically the same fashion with having a race. So that now, now saying that it's a redo that doesn't make it bad. In fact, it it's one of the more memorable stories because it's a race. I I find that the race stories are often uh, quite uh, quite enjoyable stories. And as I said, uh, after the first two, which are you know I I personally enjoy Percy and the Signal uh, and Duck Tape's Charge, but I know that they're not the best stories ever. So after a somewhat mediocre first two stories, I think this one was actually pretty good. So, yeah. Um, but then we move on from that to Percy's promise. So, uh, which, you know, interesting end to uh, the Percy arc. I, I don't think that Percy has as much of an arc as Thomas did in, in, uh, in his two books that he's had so far. Uh, but it is, you know, it, it is nice that Percy goes from cheeky to, you know, at least being quite brave in um, in this story. Yeah, absolutely. And um, something interesting, I think, is uh, w- one, the fact that it's about a Vicar Sunday school. So clearly some uh, personal connection yes. there for the Reverend. Um, and uh, and it's interesting that Thomas says that he's busy this evening. Mm. Uh, so that he can't take the the uh, you know the kids, um, and so Percy has to. But I always it, it always just makes me wonder what was Thomas right. doing <laughs> that he was busy that he couldn't do it, and that he had to leave Annie and Clarabelle for Percy to take. Um, you know, which you know, which doesn't happen very often. So uh, it's that's interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's a nice um, it's a nice story in that you know it's kind of. Uh, interesting to see the engines versus nature, which we um, have seen before in terms of leaves and um, and snow, um, but not much else. So uh, landslide, I suppose, mm-hmm. and um, 
and uh, and a ditch. But uh, in, in terms of overall weather and rain, uh, this is really the first time that we that we experienced that. And it's a it's a nice story. I think it's um, I think it's a natural evolution and progression of the Percy and Harold storyline as we were discussing. And I think that's it. it that is a is a great way to end this book. Yes. Um. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's a nice, it's a nice story. Um, it's a, it's a nice way to, to definitely end, end the book. It is, it is. I I quite enjoy it. Now uh, this one, I I haven't said much about the real life basis for these stories, mostly because there's not a lot to say. A lot of them either happened as they occur in the series, or I or were just sort of inventions of the reverends. Um, now this one did happen slightly differently in that um, there was a train that was stranded in five feet of water in, uh, in Hunstaten, Norfolk after a tidal wave. And uh, the crew managed to get the train back to uh, the, uh, to the station at Hunstaten by using the floorboards of the guards van. Uh, uh, however, unlike, uh, unlike Percy, the uh, the real life incident, the the people involved in the real life incident were not fortunate enough to have a friendly helicopter flying by to drop provisions for them. Yes, and also unlike unlike uh, this story, the uh, coach was not sentient. Very true. Very true. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I I've always liked. Um, and and I'm I don't recall if I commented on this um, when we did the TV series uh, when we did the, the TV episode of this I I've always kind of gotten a bit of a chuckle from the the guards' reaction to uh, the driver and fireman needing his floorboards it's it's another case of someone comically missing the point in that you know the the garden firemen need these floorboards, you know, to um, to fix the the issue that they're having. And the guards' problem isn't the fact that you know it's a flood and that they need the floorboards to get out. His issue is that he just swept the floorboards. So, uh, in fact, yeah, his comment is, "I only swept the floor this morning." So, yeah, um, it's funny. Yeah, and I like the and I like the line um, whenever it says that the fireman went to the guard's van carrying a hatchet, yes. and he says, "Hello," said the guard. "You look fierce." Yeah, <laughs> it's just funny to picture him just walking with a hatchet, <laughs> um, and you know the uh, uh, the guard not knowing <laughs> what. To right. Expect. Well, and, and, um, and that is the thing. I mean, because because the guard's way back in his van, you know, we've got these um, we've got these two coaches, and he goes back to the the guard at the back of the at the back of the second coach presumably you know obviously the guard has some understanding of why they've stopped but it it is a funny the guard in general just has funny reactions in this story i think yeah absolutely and it's i mean it was and it's also interesting too that in the uh the tv series they use a brake van right um that you know they have a separate guards van uh, guess you could say um as opposed to this where even though in the which is interesting because the text says guard right and yet we obviously know um you know that um that there's a spot for the guard uh 
you know, uh, in the coach, but but it is interesting that the text says guards van as if it's a separate entity. Right. That is that is interesting. So so if if we ignore the you know um, the text and just take for the pictures, does that mean that some of Clarabelle's floorboards were taken out? That's what we are to assume. Yes, interesting. Uh, but you know, it ends it ends nicely. You know, with um, you know, with um, Harold and per- another. No, I was say, and it ends with another instance of a really useful. Engine. It does. Uh, so it crops up twice in this book. So comes uh, once in the forward. It, it's funny because it's sort of bookended by that phrase because it appears once in the forward and then it appears once in the final paragraph of this story. So I, I find that interesting. Um, you know, and uh, with what we were saying about the illustrations, I don't think that... So, I, I think some of the illustrations in this one are fairly decent. I mean, there's one... I, I can definitely see... Uh, there is one scene. I think it's in the fourth, um, the fourth picture. I can see where the Reverend got his caterpillar comment from. Uh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I. I, I agree. Um, but the fifth picture, which was also the picture that was used for the front cover, I don't think is too bad. Uh, personally, you know, it's it's not one of Dolby's finest hours. No, not at all. Um, and it's a, it's a shame that he went out on that one, but I but that's why he went out, right? <laughs> um, you know, uh, just couldn't couldn't deal with that any, any, anymore um, on both sides. So, um, but it, it's fine. I mean, sometimes it's nice to have a change, and John T. Kenny was definitely a change. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, just wrapping up this book, um, it's a it's an okay sure. book. It's it's definitely not one of my yeah. favorites of the railway series, but not one of my least favorites either. I would say it's it's relatively mid tier, I suppose, um, lower of the mid tier, probably. Um, nothing really that special about it. I like the stories themselves in terms of the premise, but there's nothing really spectacular in the writing or in the illustrations. So, it's not one that really bears much rereading for me personally. Yeah, I would have to agree. There's, I, I like, I, I think I like the ideas of the stories almost better than the execution. And that's not to say, you know, that's nothing against the Reverend or his writing or anything like that. I just, I, I think that the idea of these stories is, you know, almost better than the execution, um, at least for a few of them. But, you know, I mean, it did introduce Duck and, uh, you know he's he's a fun character, and it gave us some very, uh, some very interesting Percy-centric stories. So as you said, though not my favorite, it was just kind of okay, you know. Um, yeah, and if if I had to rank them, I would say uh, for me it would be uh, probably uh, Percy's Promise, uh, Percy and Harold, Duck Takes Charge, and uh, Percy and the Signal. So pretty much just going. Yeah. Uh, but you know, right down the line from from back to front. I would. I that's a fair assessment. Uh, the, I might. I might change. Um, yeah. No. Actually, I don't think I would change it at all. That's actually a very fair assessment. Um, you know, uh, it, it's interesting because the book does get slightly. Not that it was bad at the beginning, but it does get slightly better as it goes on. I think so. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with that. Definitely. Uh, so that's our thoughts on Percy and the Signal. 
Uh, or sorry, no, Percy the Small Engine. That's our thoughts on Percy the Small Engine. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Did you like it more than we did? <laughs> Hopefully. Um, I know a lot of people do quite like this book, actually. Uh, so, uh, and let us know why you liked it, because we're always interested in hearing other people's opinions. Uh, so give us some feedback. Uh, and you can find us all kinds of places. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash TalkingThomasPod. Uh, Twitter at TalkingThomas1. And then you can find us, of course, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Uh, and, of course, our home is Anchor. Uh, leave us a review, actually, because, uh, you know, that helps us quite a bit, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners are on Apple Podcasts, and so that helps a lot when we get reviews there. So if leave us some sort of feedback. Feedback is always nice. So... Uh, But thanks a bunch for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Have a great evening.